Well, welcome back. We hope that uh, you came up with some good ideas to, to help you understand uh, maybe some filters that you're, you're facing and or maybe where your message isn't matching the back end of your operations that might lead to some future filters that will give you some problems. Now, we want to take just a minute and we want to talk about what we call this one-third, two-thirds growth model. Um, and the reason why I love this is because um, if you look at the graphic, you're going to see that that bottom uh, third is what we call inherent. It's things that we just naturally do, we can easily achieve, uh, doesn't really take much effort from us on our part to make sure that it happens. And then if you look at the top part, you see there's two thirds and it's divided in uh, to two different pieces. One is ideas and one is innovation. And that's where we find that if you want to have growth instead of your organization, you have to move from that inherent into the ideas. And preferably, uh, high growth is when it comes into that innovation. So let's talk for just a minute about the inherent. And too often we see individuals inside of an organization say, hey, what is your sales goal for this year? Or what is your production goals for this year? And naturally, we're always going to default to what we know is really close to what we can achieve eh, with maybe a little bit of discrepancy because we know that we can actually do it. Well, too many organizations function or and departments or individuals inside your organization function on that inherent uh, premise that I know I can do it. So I'm not going to be overly stressed about it. It's not going to cause me any grief. We know that we can meet these demands. Okay. And so uh, the problem with that is, is we never step outside of that comfort zone that we're already in. Now, in order to have growth, we have to get past that inherent. And the only way we do that is moving into ideas. And Ryan, you had some, I mean, you've been a great, uh, you had some great examples working with organizations inside of that and how and what those ideas look like as we move from inherent to ideas. Yeah, thanks for uh, kind of explaining that. And yeah, there's something that was coming to my mind as you were talking, and that is kicking it off with the difference that we see between customer service and customer engagement. Customer service for a lot of companies is inherent. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of times where, you know, they'll train you on how to answer the phone. Hello, welcome to our company. How may I direct your call? And it's just a very inherent response to the customer. And it's not a bad response. You know, that that's one thing that you want to keep in mind, that inherent doesn't mean that you're doing things wrong. It just means that you're really not coming up with something that's meaningful, and in this case, meaningful to the customer. Customer engagement, on the other hand, is saying, okay, when the customer calls in, instead of just being professional and polite, how quickly can I get to what the customer really wants? And how well can I understand that every customer is different? I can't treat everyone the same and expect them all to appreciate it at the same level. And so, you know, when you're dealing with the the difference between inherent and then as we go up into ideas and innovation, you've got to look at that and you've got to say, okay, what are we doing day in, day out, and how can we be doing that better? And so I want to bring up an example. You know, so you know, we talked a little bit about the difference between the customer service and why we focus more on customer engagement with the uh, you know inherent ideas innovation concept, the one third two third model. But I want to bring up some other examples of things that I've seen where people get a little bit uh, stuck in this inherent concept. So uh, you know, I was. Uh, 
I was working with a company and they were a print shop and they would, you know, they would do copy and print, a very, very almost commodity type business where people go in and they want their copies made. And they, you know, they really were struggling with getting any sort of growth in their business because the, you know, they would go after some of these bigger accounts where they would try and get into, you know, printing full manuals and, and, you know, doing larger, you know, uh, larger deals. But it still was limited to this idea of how much do I need that it actually needs to be copied. And, especially with what's going on digitally, a lot of their customers were starting to move out of this realm of copy and print and they were moving into digital. And they're like, well, you know, if I can just send out, uh, you know, a social media post instead of having to print 300 flyers and then distribute them, that's a lot more efficient and cost-effective for me. And so they were starting to see their business get chipped away because of all of the digital options that were available and they were very limited in what they could do for uh, you know for for print and so this particular business what they started to do with their ideas and their innovations was they got into uh, recognition and they realized that a lot of what they were printing were you know i mean they they would print cards invitations you know things that made people feel good and if you think about the difference between like a handwritten card, a, you know, a thank you card that someone is going to handwrite versus a quick little text that says, hey, thanks, man. You know, one carries a value that can never be replaced by the digital. And so what they did for, you know, trying to get into this, you know, two-thirds model as opposed to staying in that inherent is they started looking at how could they introduce recognition and actually sell recognition as a as a business service and as a product and and it turned out very well you know they they expanded into different types of engravings um, you know different other types of technologies where you could put messages onto you know materials and and it was a way for them to expand and to grow their business and so, you know, when I'm looking at the one-thirds, two-thirds model, I'm saying inherently a copy and print shop should have just stayed with, well, okay, you know, I can get a bigger, you know, give a bigger copier that can do larger jobs. But they actually thought outside and said, what else can we sell besides copy and print? And we're able to grow because of that. And they entered into that ideas and innovation. So with that example, Ethan, let's kind of explain a little bit more ideas and innovation and, and talk about how do we get into that realm? So on the ideas, the simple piece of it is this. When we're driving in our car, we're sitting at our desk, we're having conversations, we have ideas that hit us. But we rarely act on them because as soon as we kind of get back into the daily routine of the business, we know the idea was there or we've forgotten it or we just don't act on it. So uh, what we counsel is, as you have those ideas, act on those ideas. You're going to find that most of them turn out to be very productive, okay? Some of them are a little bit harder to implement than others, but that's why we like the ideas first. You'll see it's first before innovation because ideas come to us frequently and they're generally easier to implement into your ideas or into your uh, workplace and your business. So, so just track the ideas. Uh, if someone shares an idea, an employee shares an idea with you, 
jot it down. How do we implement it? Is there value in it? Can it increase something? What is the opportunity cost between implementing it and what we think the return can be? Um, you'll find that just by acting on the ideas um, leads you to where now you become what we call innovative. Mm-hmm. Say you're never innovative until you start acting on your ideas. That's why that's why this I like this inherent ideas and innovation because it has a natural flow just like the rest of the training as we go through it and and you just you can't get the innovation until you're actively working ideas because that's what drives the innovation. And, and you know those top companies uh, that uh, are you know those Fortune 500 type stuff they're all falling that innovative. That's where they have to. That's where they thrive. That's what makes them what they are. And so I want to talk about this flow. Uh, you know, a lot of times people have seen a sales pipeline where they understand this funnel concept that's going on. And really, you can look at this almost like a funnel, a reverse funnel, you know, maybe like a pyramid more is the, the shape that you're looking at. Inherent activities are abundant. There are so many day-to-day things that you need to do to run your company. And so there's tons of just inherent things that you're going to be doing day in, day out. Ideas, they're going to be constantly coming up if you're paying attention to them. You know, you're always going to be having those ideas that are going to be coming up. And, you know, you're like, oh, hey, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. But you're not going to act on all of those ideas. And so as you move up through this, you know, this pyramid concept and say, okay, what ideas do we really want to focus on? And then of those ideas, not all of them are going to pan out. You know, if if you want to be in the realm of innovation, you have to understand that you're going to try things that aren't going to work. If, If you're, you know determined to make sure that you have a 100% success rate with all of your ideas, you'll never get into the innovative space. The innovative space requires a little bit of risk. It requires you to be willing to pick between, you know, two good options and go after the better of, you know, it's, it's not, you're not picking between a good option and a bad option. You know, you're not trying to decide, should we expand our company or go bankrupt? You're trying to decide, okay, should we expand our company by, you know, radically changing our e-commerce platform or should we expand our company by starting to engage in international sales? You know, like these are the, the types of ideas that lead to innovation that force you to really start to, you know, creatively problem solve and connect with that customer. Again, going back to this whole idea of customer engagement is to say, these aren't your innovations. It's not, what are you excited about? It's, what is your customer going to be excited about? And how can you innovate to the customer's needs? And I put this caveat out there because too often when we think of innovation, we're thinking of our product or our service. But it doesn't necessarily need to be that. Some of that innovation... can come from innovation inside of our organization that makes us more efficient. We find a better and a faster way to produce something. Okay. So keep in mind that uh, when we look at the growth model, uh, I want to be careful to say the ideas and innovation don't always have to revolve around a product or service. They generally do. And I put that out there that, you know, 75% they are. However, sometimes the innovations that are more important actually come behind the scenes that affect a piece of equipment, uh, the way we do something, uh, restructuring of a position to allow us to have more innovation and growth inside of our company. You know, and and matter of fact, I I saw um, on LinkedIn uh, just the other day, and you have to correct me, Ryan, if I get the name wrong. I think his name is John uh, Huntinghouse. 
Huntington House? Uh, Hunting House, yeah. Hunting House, okay. So he uh, does a little bit of marketing stuff on the backside. Anyways, he had a post out there that showed uh, a company. And I thought, you know, how his idea behind some innovation was using one-star reviews to help grow your organization. And most other people are going to go, oh, yeah, good luck with that one. But uh, he, it was an amazing one because the one-star review, and I just remember it was like a little flashlight, uh, like you'd mount to your bike or something like mm-hmm. that. And the review, the one-star review was... Um, yeah, I looked at the light and I turned it on and it blinded me. You should put better warnings on your boxes. Okay. And I thought, uh, how innovative was that, that they took <laughs> something to where uh, I'm almost curious to see how bright the light is now. I want to buy one to figure out how bright it actually is. That, see what I mean? Uh-huh. So they've done something that is outside of the box. They got away from that inherent. That might only be in the idea category in many ways. You know, if you look at how we'd classify it, but on the other hand, I can see, Hey, you know what? Uh, they use some of that marketing to be innovative to help bridge and expand into a market that otherwise uh, maybe they wouldn't have been able to do because lighting is is a commodity. It's it's a tough industry to be in. Yeah, and you know as you were talking about this and mentioned the point that it doesn't have to be an innovative product or service. Uh, a really good example of a business that I worked with came to mind, and that is that their innovation came with how they dealt with uh, customer interactions. So they started looking at a company and they said, how many times do we interact with a customer? And, you know, at first their, you know, their sales team was saying, well, you know, we deal with three or four customers a day on a busy day. Maybe we'll deal with 10 customers, but, you know, we we don't really deal with a lot. But then they started looking at it and they found out that they actually had close to about 50 customer engagements a day. The sales team was thinking, you know, inherently, they were thinking of the customers that were ready to make, you know, major purchases or, you know, that were, you know, like putting in uh, for a sales order. They weren't realizing how many people were calling in and asking for quick information, how many emails were being sent to the company, how many people would walk into the showroom and, you know, and then just turn around and walk back out and all of those opportunities that they were missing. And so they put together a uh, customer engagement process where they said, okay, we want to track every single time we have an opportunity to just connect with a customer. doesn't matter how big it is. doesn't matter how small it is. If they call us, then we want to know about it. If they come in, we want to know about it. And the innovation was that they went from looking at it and saying, well, we only have three or four, you know, sales opportunities a day to realizing that, wow, we have dozens of sales opportunities every single day. And they didn't change their product or service. They just changed the way that they are viewing the customer experience. And they started tracking that, making data driven decisions because they, you know, they could track how many people called in every day, how many people emailed in, who did they actually talk to? And they put it all together and put together this, this really creative strategy that was able to engage better with their customers. And so what you're going to do, the real homework of this exercise is to look at your ideas. Now, you either have a good way for generating ideas um, and, you know, logging those or you don't. So if you don't have a good way, that's where you start is how do you get ideas from everyone in the company, not just the management team, but everyone? How are you getting their ideas 
And how are you keeping track of those ideas? And how are you filtering through those ideas? So that's step one of the idea section. If you already have a, you know something in place, like maybe you have an idea box where people can write down ideas and they submit the boxes and you know the management team reviews them once a month or something like that. If you already have a process in place, kudos to you. But now I want you to look and see how many of those ideas have you acted on. What is your engagement with those ideas? Are you following through with those ideas or are you like just about every single company so busy worrying about the inherent stuff that you're not getting to the ideas? Now, the reason why I'm going to have you jot down the inherent activities is because those might be stopping you from getting to that idea section. If you are failing to execute on the ideas, then you're going to reference what you jotted down in the inherent section and you're going to look at that and say, what inherent activities are stopping us from moving into the ideas? That's what you're going to do. I don't want you to get into the innovative part yet because we want to talk about how we're going to transition those ideas to innovation through customer engagement. And we really want to build that that process for you. So we'll continue that with the, the rest of the training. But that's your homework is to do the uh, inherent and the ideas portion of it. And I'm going to just say quickly, mark this page because as we go through the rest of the training, as those ideas come, you want to reference back to this page to make a note of what those are. That concludes part two of our customer engagement training. If you've been following this, you know that you can reach out to us, Ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com to get access to the full training program. That'll give you all the worksheets, all of the material that uh, we don't show in the podcast. But if you'd like the full material, please reach out to us, Ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com. And we hope to see you for part three.